What is new and interesting at Ashford? Tell me the latest and the greatest for you guys. Well, um, you know, there's a handful of things going on. I think, um, you know, overall, Matt's on the, let's say, positive side, um, I mean, numbers continue to get better. You know, we, you know, our hotels are, you know, as you all know, are, are you know, well diversified across the U.S., kind of a mix of business and leisure travel, mix of group, they're, they're pretty evenly balanced. So numbers are are pretty much back. You know, they're a little bit higher than they were in 2019 on a revenue side. They're a little bit under 2019 on a EBITDA side. You know, we still got a little bit of margin, 100 to 200 basis points of um, margin erosion because of, you know, mostly labor costs. Um you know, and we're not really seeing any softness. You know, I think things are still growing and, you know, the only kind of little pockets that we see that are are pulling back are places like um, like Key West, which was just so crazy on fire that that's finally kind of, you know, settled down a little bit. Um, but really, that's about it. I mean, at least for us, I know some of my um you know, peers that have luxury assets, you know, are seeing a little bit of softening in some other really high-end markets. But um, I think that's mostly just because Europe's opening up, and mm-hmm. like I'm leaving for Rome in a few weeks with some of my children. Because um, the first time I've been to back to Europe in you know five years, so mm-hmm. um, so I think there's a lot of people doing that. Um, so that's good. You know, we're still dealing. You know, we're we're kind of finally chopping some wood on some of these. Um, on the loans. I mean, what keeps me up at night is really less on the operational side. It's really more on the capital markets. Yeah. Because uh, they are a mess. Yeah. I, think I mean, they are. People agree with that assessment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are just a mess. And so, you know, we managed to get two, uh, two assets refinanced this uh, in the last couple months. Um, it was basically a hundred million dollar loan on two assets: our uh, Hilton uh, Alexandria and Old Town Alexandria. And uh, our La Posada asset in Santa Fe. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. What was it like refinancing right now? I imagine it wasn't a fun experience. Well, that one was fun. Actually, that one was the exception. Um, you know, that was one where we have a really good lender, a relationship lender. It's a German bank um, that had the Alexandria loan. And Alexandria is not all the way back. Um uh, and so it it probably needed a pay down if we were going to do an extension on that loan. Mm-hmm. And then um, but La Posada was also a single asset uh, financing and it had tons of it was very, very, very low leverage. So we just ended up going to the the lender on Alexander and said, hey, if we throw this asset into the collateral package, can we just refinance them both at the same time? And they mm-hmm. said, yeah, we love that asset. Mm-hmm. So they. You know, negotiated very solid terms. I've had, I probably had at least a dozen of my, you know, peers and hotel industry colleagues call me up and go, "How did you get the terms on that loan?" Because um, they were very, very good terms. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just a good, you know, good assets with a good relationship lender, and that was easy. Yeah, um, so the more, before, right? Yeah, okay, it was, which is still more expensive than you would like. Mm-hmm. But I mean, spreads have not compressed as you know we wish they would. But mm-hmm. relative to alternatives, it was pretty good pricing. Um, but uh, but where I'm spending a lot of my time is just negotiating and dealing with uh, a lot of loan extensions. Mm-hmm. We've got a ton of loans that um, have been uh, have extensions this year 
that have debt yield tests. So we've had a $400 million loan that we did earlier this year where we did basically a $50 million pay down. And then we had a, almost a billion dollar loan that we had after that, which was about a $100 million pay down. And then we've got um, basically another billion two of loans that are happening right now that we're currently negotiating. Um, those require some you know, level of pay down still TBD. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's busy on that front trying to get the capital structure where it needs to be, but we're making good progress and, um, you know, paying things down and I think making our, our debt balances slowly, but surely more sustainable. So um, are you, do you feel confident you're going to get that all done? Is there any possibility that any of that's going to be handed back keys or anything? It's possible. You know, I think, I mean, this one pool that the, uh, ones that we're working on right now, it actually has six different pools of assets. Mm -hmm. Each one's about $200 million. And yes, there are some pools within that that are struggling. Mm -hmm. um, and so then the question is, do you just hand them back? Do, but, you know, which you're, we, which we also, we have before, you know, we handed back yeah. 15 assets during COVID. So um, we'll do that if we- The embassy suites in New York, right? That was the-, the big that, one. that was one, that was one that, um, that we did. Um, but uh, so anyway, it really depends on. But at the same time, the it's a CNBS loan, but we we know who the controlling holder is, and they're uh, and very involved in the hotel business. So they're you know they're kind of good partners on that front. Mm -hmm. And so the question is is you know if some of these pools are a little bit underwater, you know we'll put money in, but it's got to be restructured, mm -hmm. you know. And so what are they open to? And so that's you know it's it's complicated. Uh, when you've got kind of six pools negotiating at the same time. Um, but that's what we're, what we're working on. You know, our goal is trying to, if we're going to invest in pools, it's because we like where we are in that capital structure. And, um, you know, and that, and we think there's equity in, in the pool. So, mm -hmm. um, so we'll see what, what comes of that. Have you, is there any sense of like, you know, kick the can down the road a little bit and see where we're at in 24, 25, or is there kind of no more patience for that sort of thinking? Like, where No, I think, I think there's patience. I mean, I, I think you're now, we're, we're re-entering given where the, um, you know, given where the capital markets are, mm -hmm. I think your lenders are still uh, loathe to take back assets if they don't have to. Mm -hmm. um, and because most of the assets that are being taken back, I mean, what's so interesting about this time period is just I, I've never seen markets so uh, like a distribution uh, so wide in terms of how markets are performing. Right. I mean, you have Park Canyon back. There are two assets in San Francisco, which didn't surprise me whatsoever, because every asset we own in San Francisco is down 20 to 40 percent versus where it was uh, pre-COVID. Um, and so what's park, happening is that... What's at the that? same time, I feel like the park folks are probably still more bullish on San Francisco than you are. That's just my sense. That, that may be. I mean, I've got a ton of assets. I would love for San Francisco to come back. Mm -hmm. It's, man, it's ugly. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, because the issues are deep. I mean, this isn't just like, we just need the economy to come back. This is a structural issue about crime and homelessness and the future of office space and the future of the technology industry. I mean, there's a lot, 
there's a lot of really interesting uh, overlaps onto how that might work. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe they maybe they can get they eventually get a mayor that's like Rudy Giuliani and just starts cracking skulls and you know cleaning up the city. I mean, that would probably be a good step one. But um, I think, and I know their new mayor is Chinese traveler. What's that? Before. I said I think they'd probably offer the Chinese traveler to come back before anything else, right? Yeah, that would be nice. Um, but um, so, I, but, but I think the issue is that the assets of which are most likely to be handed back are in like 10 markets. It's going to be San Fran, Portland, Seattle, Minneapolis, Chicago, Philly, you know, maybe some of the Rust Belt. I mean, I don't know about Pittsburgh and Cleveland and, you know, some of the kind of Rust Belt areas. Mm -hmm. But be careful because so much of the, other... the Rust Belt, you got to be careful. I know. I'm. I. I. I have a big heart for the Rust Belt people, but mm-hmm. you know those those cities are struggling. Oh yeah, well, um, that's, that's basically post-industrial America. The Rust Belt is. Struggling. Yeah, like... that's right. And, and COVID, you know, kind of threw some gasoline on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have these weird things where you've got those markets where you know they're down 20, 30, 40 percent, and um, Nashville and Dallas and Tampa and. Charleston and Savannah and Phoenix are all doing great. So mm-hmm. it um, so the assets of which you would be willing to hand back are, are assets where people have real concerns. So I'm not sure people are clamoring for taking back assets in Minneapolis right now. Yeah. Have you ever experienced the market just like this fragmented? I mean, like you're saying, operations yeah. overall pretty good. Capital side is a mess, but then yeah, if you drill into like yeah, market by market, it's just it's so all over the place, right? You don't know whether to feel it's, good or bad. It's unlike it, I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. If you had given me kind of the distribution of returns of all of the markets, and you you'd handed this to me five years ago and said, hey, five years in the future, this is what these hotel markets are going to look like. There is no way you could have made sense of it. Like, why is Nashville up 30 percent and San Francisco down 30? Like, how how could you explain that? Why is Chicago, you know, down 15, but Tampa's up 30? I mean, you just you, know, you have no idea why that is. So um, and I think that's also something that we have to all think about when we talk about recessions, is that I'm not sure. I'm not sure a recession really moves the needle here, for example, in Dallas. Mm-hmm. there's kind of too much going on. I mean, there's too many people moving here. There's too much business coming here. I mean, we may feel it a little bit, but versus, you know, a, re- a recession may hit Minneapolis harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, and so I think when we talk about what might happen in the economy, I think it's going to, I don't see why it may not be kind of distributed in the same way that we're seeing numbers on the ground. Has has the current environment kind of shifted how you think about recessions? And I bring that in the context, like we were already talking about San Francisco. And obviously the tech recession is a very real thing and has mm-hmm. a very real impact on that market. Has that changed? Like you look at a market like Dallas or, you know, other big business driven markets, like there's no one industry that's going to kill it. I mean, maybe it's like oil in Houston or something because we yep. saw that a few years ago. But does that change your overall look at like, all right, a recession will do this and this market will react this way. Yeah, I think so. And I think what is, and I think what we are very focused on both in kind of reevaluating our own portfolio over time and in reevaluating, you know, or and evaluating assets acquisitions going forward 
is I think we got to experience the value of um, at least substantive multiple demand sources when you have an asset. Mm-hmm. And like the example I'll give you is like our we have this I don't know if you've been to our Renaissance in Nashville, but it's right on. I have stayed at that hotel. It was the very first hotel I stayed at as an employee of H&N was the Renaissance Nashville. Really? Trivia. When, the... what, what, what year was that? Oh, it would have been 2015. Okay, so we had owned the asset because we bought it. We had it in 2010, um, but we hadn't renovated it yet <laughs> So, because uh, we renovated it in kind of 18. But if you went there now... I mean, that hotel is unbelievable. Um, it's going to – it'll do $35 million of EBITDA this year. Um, but that hotel is 700 rooms. It's giant. Um, and everything's shut down, right? I mean, the whole city shuts down. Meetings shut down. It's got, you know, you know, 80,000 square feet of meeting space. But that hotel was able to bounce back because it also had a ton of leisure demand. And so the strength of that hotel is that it can it can remix itself in terms of you know big group small group you know it's got every bachelorette party in the world that goes to yes. Nashville stays at that hotel yeah. they can drag themselves back off of Broadway. Well, there's plenty of those um, to go around. To be fair, yeah. <laughs> um, but but you got to see like it it can remix itself, and I think as we are looking at the types of hotels that we want to have in our portfolio, uh, we you, I think you genuinely want to have this ability to not be relying upon one thing, which is what makes something like Houston very hard. I mean, Houston is a very difficult hotel market because it is great and then it is a disaster, mm-hmm. back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I think uh, San Francisco has a little bit of that problem now. And the question is, can it remix I mean, are there other kind of industries and businesses and things that can come in? Because um, like Dallas has done that really well, and I think Miami's doing that well, and you know Nashville's doing that well, where you're you're trying to pull from different demand sources. So, um, so anyway, it, it definitely makes us rethink the way that we, you know, how are we, how do we want to play demand when we're going into a market? Yeah, and at the risk of sounding a little too much like Tyler Morse here, I just do wonder like whether this environment is the one that differentiates the people who kind of just rode the wave to the actual smart investors. Like, do you get the sense, like you got to dig a little bit harder to find the right opportunity? Yeah. Now? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, well, and, and the removal of cheap financing, mm-hmm. uh, moves the, uh, you know, kind of, you know, changes the state of play. Right. I mean, yeah. if you can, buy almost any piece of real estate and finance it with, you know, three or 4% money, you know, you can, you can make some money on it. Um, you know, I'm not saying that we're going to be necessarily at high interest rates forever. I think eventually rates will come down and it'll be a little bit more normalized, but, um, you know, cost of debt at 7% is, um, you've got to figure out how to create value in a different way than you can if you're financing it at three or four. So, yeah, I do think, um, I do think it will over time, uh, really focus on those people who are are, and, and it's interesting because it's different businesses. You know, I mean, there's the the operational side, like really squeezing dollars out day in and day out on the ops, and then there's the kind of strategic repositioning, thinking about 
the acquisition itself, what's the right brand, what's the right amenities, um, and then and hopefully those integrate. But those are you know you have great idea people. People go, man, if I could do this thing in that market, that would go well, and they might be right. But then there's a whole other expertise of, are you manning it? Do you have the right management structure within it? Do you have the right um, you know the right people? So uh, I do. I, I probably agree with that sentiment. So. Do you, how do you feel about the future of Ashford now versus a couple of years ago? Because I know you guys have been kind of through it, and there's been a lot of work putting into kind of reimagining your structure and just getting through the worst of things because you guys were a little bit up against it at probably the worst possible time. So how do you feel about the work you guys have done over the last couple of years, and, and what do you see is on the horizon for you guys? Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we've made we've made a lot of progress, I mean, forthrightly less than I would have liked. I mean, I think mm. the 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 capital markets, uh, the change of them over the last year or so definitely was a has been a headwind where I would have liked to um, have made some more progress on delevering a little bit more, raising um, some more capital, you know, paying off our uh, our friends at Oak Tree on that strategic financing, um, you know, trying to get a path back to getting our common dividend back turned on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, and that's just reality, right? That's what you deal with day in and day out. So I haven't made as much progress on that as I would have liked, but I do think things are going in the right direction. And I think the part that is um, maybe most materially different for us is just the fact that we are now taking our capital raising into our own hands mm-hmm. with Ashford Securities. Um, that's, you know, that's what, you know, Braemar raised almost $500 million through that platform you know, bought the Four Seasons, you know, in Scottsdale with cash. That's a nice feeling. Um, <laughs> You're a little jealous. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. Richard's buying $260 million assets with cash. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bought the uh, Dorado Beach, you know, Ritz. Um, you know, and so for us, we we probably aren't going to be going on a, on a big acquisition spree initially as we raise this money. You know, we've raised about $35 million so far from it and, and you know, we'll continue to, to do so. But it will help me you know, pay off debt, pay down debt as we do refinancings, and then eventually pivot to um, to going on offense a little bit more. But having that fundraising capabilities kind of in our own power is, I think, really, really crucial because the, the public markets have changed. I, I Actually, some of us were, in, in some sense, almost amazed at what Gaylord did with their common stock offering for the uh, San Antonio deal. That they did because that's the way it used to be done mm-hmm. you know you would go get a deal go talk to all the shareholders go do a road show go do a, a an equity raise over three days um you know that was what it was like 15 years ago and i we were i was trying to think when was the last time i actually saw one of our peers do that mm-hmm. of just like buy a deal the normal way and the answer is it's like i I couldn't come up with it. It has to be at least, I don't know, seven or eight years. Um, and that's because our, you know, NAVs across the industry have been trading like garbage and and across the lodging rate world. We've seen the rise of all of the, the kind of the quant and the passive sort of investors where you're mostly just talking to algorithms now. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have relationships with the portfolio managers the same way. You can't really tell the story the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't get buy-in the same way. And so it, um, I think there's some very structural 
problems that exist in the public markets, uh, not just with lodging rates, but I think it's highlighted uh, in lodging rates. And so the question is, well, what do you do? And one is, well, I guess you just invest in your own assets is one answer. You sell them off when you you get good value and you reinvest in your own assets and I guess look at each other for a while. Um, the other alternative that we want is like, well, what can we do to take that into our own hands? And mm-hmm. if the public markets are there and are available, great. And if not, we still see opportunity and we want to take advantage of it. So of all the things that I think I'm most excited about is that because, um, you know, I think you just want to control the ability to raise capital. So let me ask you the philosophical question that comes out of that then. So if every every lodging REIT, every publicly traded lodging REIT, it's consistently trading at a material discount to NAV. Yep. Should they exist? Like, should lodging REITs exist if that's a good the question? Case? Yeah. I mean, I don't mean the answer is I don't know. Um, I guess in some ways the market is currently telling you that they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some of it is just, you know, back in the day, I think the, the stat that I was trying to remember was, you know, I think when I was started in this business, or at least maybe go back 15 years, you know, lodging REITs as a percentage of the REIT index were something like, I don't know, 15% of it. I, don't know. I mean, it's we were still the kind of bastard child of of the industry versus office REITs and mall REITs and retail REITs and multifamily and whatnot. But we at least were uh, on people's radar. Mm-hmm. But now with the rise of in particular like like ta- data towers and and um, some of these other uh, industry types, we're now like one percent or two percent yeah. of the sure. REIT index. So we're a rounding error, mm-hmm. and we are are merely uh, I think we are used basically as alpha that a that portfolio managers occasionally pick hotels in order you know very kind of off and on in order to kind of get a little bit of outperformance versus the market. Mm-hmm. But they don't have to own us all the time mm-hmm. and and kind of perform versus the market. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a a, a place for hotels unless, um, you know, unless you get some either significant consolidation or you, you really let us grow. Like we're just all at sizes too small. Mm-hmm. I mean, the industry is big. There's hotels everywhere. Um, but the, you know, what the institutions tell us are kind of investable hotels, you know, are obviously a smaller subset of that. So I don't know. I think there are some interesting philosophical questions on what is the future of publicly traded lodging rates? Because at least as of now, the market's telling us we're a waste of time. That's uplifting, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'll let you know what I think about it. 